Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I am your host, and today I have with me my co-host now, Emery Howard, and she is going to introduce our guest for us. So, Emery, go ahead. Uh, today we have with us Sharon Castanzo, and she is a relationship and communicative coach. She helps women to see that they don't have to speak up perfectly to have a voice. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) That was awesome. And yes, so this is a really good topic of being able to, like, I feel like a lot of times with relationships, we don't always put it together with communications, which is so interesting. The more and more that I have find out about relationships just because it's all about communication. So tell us a little bit, (laughs) but tell us a little bit more about what got you started. Yes. So in my business, it's kind of an interesting trajectory. So I feel like ever since I got my first professional job when I was 22, I've always been like, I could do this better on my own. Mm -hmm. I could, I'd love to have more freedom. I'd love to, whatever it is that this company is paying me to do, I could probably do it better on my own and make more money. So I've always kind of had that little inkling in the back of my mind. I'm an engineer by education. That's what my schooling was, was in engineering. And I'm not really the most traditional engineer. Like I didn't grow up always wanting to be an engineer, but I was good at science and math. And that's kind of what my parents thought would be the best option for me. So I worked for the utility company for nine years. And then I took some time. I had my second child. My two kids are really close in age. And when my second was born, I quit working for a while. And I was feeling really stir crazy doing that, being at home. And so then I started helping. I was working at a math tutoring center. And I really loved doing that. And really quickly after I started working there, they asked me to run one of the businesses for them. So I was running a tutoring center and I was kind of in that same kind of sphere where I was like, I'm doing really well at this, but I'm not making much money. They were paying me $17.50 an hour. It was a part-time job. And I was like, I really loved the relationship aspect of it, though, working with parents And helping parents to help their kids to be successful in math or to feel successful in math. And and it really felt like a lot of this relationship stuff. And I was doing a lot of what felt like coaching. And so I knew that working at the math tutoring center was not going to be a forever career for me. Because at that time, my kids were preschool age. And so working in the afternoons and evenings wasn't much different than working during the day. But I knew that when they were in school, I didn't want to work in the evenings and afternoons because I wanted to be home with them. So that's kind of when the stirrings of coaching came came up. And it was so interesting because I was working part time. I was working 25 hours a week 
And I just happened to mention to my boss that I was going to start coaching and maybe working 10 hours a week on my business. And as soon as they found that out, they were like, you can't work for us and have your own business. Oh, wow. He was like a very old school, like, I need you 100% committed to me and the success of my business. Oh, wow. Or you can't work here. So they they kind of started interviewing my replacement before they even talked to me and told me about the decision that they had made. There was kind of some communication issues there, like the owner wasn't communicating very well with his regional director, who was my boss. And and when I found out that they were interviewing people, I just gave my notice <laughs> and said, like, I don't want to be in all this this bad energy here. So I gave my notice and I started working on my business, but I also didn't really feel like I was ready to financially support myself with my business. So I found another job. Um, so, and I've been doing that for the last several years, but, um, the thing that also, so I started coaching and my whole coaching thing at that point was I want to help working moms kind of organize their lives better. That's something I've been really good at being organized and feeling like I have systems and stuff in place to, to feel organized. And it was so interesting because I started this coaching business class and we were doing like market interviews and stuff. And I was talking with them, with these moms, potential, you know, ideal clients trying to hone in on my niche. And I told my business coach like, ah, I'm getting triggered because a lot of these women are having problems with partnership issues with their spouse Mm. And we're like trying to get my husband to be more helpful at home has almost ended my marriage. Wow. And I had this realization because I used the word push at some point. I said, I've been, you know, in the past when I've pushed my husband to be more of a partner at home, it, you know, it caused a lot of friction in my marriage and it almost ended my marriage. And she just said to me, she was a business coach, but a good coach as well. She said, you used the word push. And it was like a light bulb moment for me, just this 15 minute call of, I can't push him to get him to be my partner. And that made it was a big shift for me personally in my marriage to stop pushing. And it helped me to be able to do the work I do now, which is helping women to communicate more effectively, to express their needs without you know, being really demanding or coming across as needy and to really have that more kind of just inviting energy in their homes of like, I want to be a partner with you rather than get your act together. (laughs) What's Uh wrong with you? Which was my approach up to that point. And that was, you know, just the way I was raised was that way. I was, was very familiar to me. Yeah. Um, but it it wasn't working in my marriage to do things that way. Oh, that's so cool. And I love the journey that brought you there and that it was the very thing that you were like, this is triggering. And that's what made you investigate it more. And oh, that's so cool. And I, man, I wish that I would have found you in the early years of my marriage because, oh my goodness, we had some rocky times and especially with um, neediness. That was when you said that, I was like, oh. I can relate there. Huge. So um, tell us a little bit, what would the advice be to those listening who are like 
we hear so much right now about this um, don't be dependent, like don't be codependent on your like spouse and everything. But I know that right now, especially for um, clients that I work with, like that is really tricky to figure out how do you put your needs across without being that. And I, I love to hear your take on what does that mean? Yeah, I I totally relate to what you're saying too about how we're kind of trying to navigate that difference between like independence and interdependence and codependence. I think, you know, they're on two on the two sides there's like being completely independent and I've got I've got this all taken care of on my own and then the codependent yeah. is like I'm not okay with me unless you're okay with me and you know just that mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety there. And I really do think that we have to know that we can have our own back no matter what. That's yeah. part of being able to to have more of that interdependent, like on the same page, we're on the same team. And that's something I'm working on a workshop right now that's coming out. And that's one of the big points is when you come to your partner and say, hey, I'd really like some help with this. When you already know that like you can handle it yourself if you need to, and you're asking them to step in and help you if they're available, and it's really is a request that they have the freedom to say no to, that makes a world of difference. Yeah. Like, cause if, if they aren't allowed to say no, which I know, like I would come to my husband all the time and I'd be like, I have this all figured out. This is the right way to do it. And you need to be on board, he would automatically just resist and fight mm-hmm. against that. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. I talk often about, you know, when I was dating, I knew that I wasn't attracted to passive men. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that I wasn't because I probably would have just walked all over a man that would just <laughs> capitulate to me all the time. So even though there was a lot of friction early on, I needed to learn that lesson of he needs to be allowed to be himself in this relationship too. Yeah. And there is like that beautiful uh, middle ground right there, because for me, I was, I was hanging on this thread of uh, belief, I guess, of thinking I cannot make any good decision unless it's passed by you, like, unless you agree with it. And so I was constantly seeking for validation, not as this is the plan you need to be on board. It's, I've thought this out. I hope this is okay. Tell me what you think. And if he ever like had any feedback or anything at all, I just felt like the most rottenest person. I had failed miserably. I was stupid. Like, I just felt like I was never going to be enough because it didn't match his like supreme view in my mind, (laughs) even though Mm. that wasn't necessarily his point of view. So I'm curious though, Emery, what are, what are your thoughts or questions about um, uh, like codependence and interdependence and totally independence? Do you know what those mean? Um, Well, first of all, I'm a co in no. Your co-host. Co-host. True. Yes. Um. So I guess I don't really know what codependence means. 
Do you want yeah. to ask? Cool. What does codependence mean? So it's kind of a tricky word and there's lots of different ways to look at it. But a lot of times when you see somebody who you would describe as being codependent, it's kind of like, like sometimes you might hear a mom's, I, th- I see this as a codependent attitude as a mom saying, I can't be happy unless all of my kids are happy. Yes. That's a good one. So like, A person whose feelings and emotions, like they can't be happy unless everybody else is happy or they can't feel good about themselves unless everybody else approves of what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. so they really look to other people to kind of give them a sense of themselves and who they are and whether they're okay. Cool. And what were the other two? Yeah. So I... I see independence. If you stay like really independent, it's like, I don't need anyone else. I can take care of myself. And sometimes if you're in a relationship with somebody who thinks that you should always be independent and you go to them and you say, Hey, that thing that you said kind of hurt my feelings. And they're like, well, you're responsible for your own feelings. So I, I don't have to say sorry because you should just, if you're upset, it's your, your, thoughts that are making you upset, not anything that I've done. So that would be somebody who's really independent in a way that that I think is kind of unhealthy. And what was that what you would say, Wanda? Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's, I I think that's spot on with how um, it works within a marital relationship, as well as like parent to child relationship. We talk about that all the time, but we haven't been using those words. So I, I think we need to start putting that into their vocabulary. Yeah. yeah the third one was interdependent. Inter. So like, um, intersecting, mm-hmm. like as in both, not too much codependent and not too much, um, independent. independent. Yes. Yep. I, yeah. can't, I forgot that because everyone was all about in- independence when I was in public school so mm. <laughs> yeah and that is a really big topic talking about being independent and I think sometimes you do have to learn how to be independent before you can be more interdependent because yeah. you have to have a really solid sense of who you are and what you think and what you want and how you feel about things before you can go into a relationship and and you can take that feedback from someone else like you're your mom or your friend can say, Hey, I really want to ride bikes. And maybe you don't want to ride bikes. Maybe you want to roller skate or something. And you can say, Hmm, well, I'd really like to roller skate. And, but my relationship with you is important. So maybe we'll choose to ride bikes this time, but it doesn't mean that I always have to do what you want so that we can be friends. Yeah. That's beautiful. So tell us what would your advice be for somebody who is feeling that clingy, whether it's from um, a a place of assertiveness of this is the way and this is how it should be done or a place of timid and wondering like, I hope that this is correct. How do they move from that kind of a a mindset, a frame and go to feeling confident within themselves? Yeah. The thing that I love to do with my clients very first before we do any other work 
is just ask him a simple question, which is, what do you want from your relationship? And more specifically, like, how do you want to feel in this relationship? And we usually choose three words. And that becomes like the guiding principle for the relationship. You know, a lot of people choose the word connection because they, you know, that's a really good like about you know, value for most of us. We want to feel connected, especially in our families and with our spouses. But then what does that word mean to you? Because a lot of us, you know, oh, connection means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. You know, it could mean that we spend a lot of time together. It could mean that we have meaningful conversations. It could be that we just sit in the room like my daughter for her connection is just like sitting on the couch and watching a show and snuggling for me and my husband I like to go to dinner and and have a good conversation at dinner so finding those words and what they mean to you kind of creates that like really that like concrete target of what am I shooting for in this relationship Because for a lot of us, whether it's that kind of more forceful and assertiveness or that more timidness, we're looking outside of ourselves of what should this relationship feel like rather than what do I want this relationship to be? Yeah, I love that. And it's opens up so many more doors when you start looking at it like that instead of this rigid have to make sure I do it like this. And yeah, so much anxiety there. Um, what would tell us about like how having this business um, along with being a parent has influenced like (laughs) your own journey? Oh, for sure. It's influenced me so much. So I started my podcast over two years ago. And one of the things I love about that is I get to talk to people like you. I just had you on my podcast and I get all of these great ideas of oh, these are a few things that I was aware of that I want to do better at or new ways of thinking about things that have benefited my relationship with my husband and my kids so much because I get so many different perspectives or when a client shares with me a concern that they've had, you know, my kids are seven and eight right now, so I don't have teenagers, but If I'm coaching a client with teenagers and they start to share with me what's going on with their teenagers, I think, oh, okay, this is something I want to be aware of in my own parenting as I move forward. Yeah, that's so cool. I love how it broadens the horizons when before, um, especially for me, and I think it was the same for you when from other conversations that we've had, but just that stigma of a being a mom and owning a business and running a business, it's going to make it so you're not more, you're not as present. It's going to get in the way of your motherly duties. Like it's just another thing, but it really, for me too, has broadened the horizons of what's possible and uh, that human connection that we all need of. (laughs) So that's so cool. Um, And it's easy to go to two different spectrums. I think when you're, when you're a parent and especially a mom, just because we put motherhood on such a pedestal of either like being with your kids all the time, kind of like when we talked about codependence and independence, like you either need to be 100% committed to your kids 
Or if you do have dreams and goals, you have to be like uber successful and just killing it at work. And it's like, maybe there could be a happy middle ground there. Yeah. Um, I have a friend, I think you know her as well, Crystal Lee Beck, who just manages and talks about this so well. You know, she talks about her life being first and her business supporting her life rather than the other way around. Yeah. And I think it's so beautiful to model that to our kids because most of us didn't grow up having that modeled to us that parents can have goals and dreams and also be really present, good influences in their lives. Mm-hmm. And what better way to model that uh, or to help our kids feel like they can chase their dreams than to model it ourselves and show them that it's possible, right? Yeah. You've, you've expressed that, huh? Mm-hmm. You want to tell a little bit, tell sharing a little bit about how um, that's been for you to see so that all the listeners can know what it's like for a kid to have a parent with who works and has other things going on. What's it been like for you? Well, first, it gives me a head start of being in business, and I love that. Um, uh, like, especially when I was like around six years old, I was so terrified of growing older. I'd move away and have all the responsibilities. I just have so many things that I'd have to do. I'd have to be independent. I'd have to do it all by myself. Uh, and that scared me, terrified me, actually. Uh, so after, after uh, a little bit of talking with mom about it, I was so excited to grow up. In fact, I was kind of like, do it now, do it now, do it now. Um, and I I have so many big dreams I want to be, especially then I wanted to be an ice sculpture. I wanted to be a cement mixer. I wanted to be a business owner. <laughs> and it goes on and 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 on. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. so... Uh, I think it's cool that uh, I get to help mom with her business and she helps me out with some of the things I want to do with it. And it helps me be able to be uh, interdependent um, so that I am able to grow up and have a good life in my engineering dreams. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you're incorporating those words too, the interdependent and codependent. You're doing great. Um, So Sharon, tell us a little bit more then about what it's like as far as when we're trying to help our marriage grow and, and we're having all these different hats to shuffle around with. And then there's also mental illness. There's also other things going on. How have you helped your clients distinguish between this is a relationship issue and this is a mental health issue. Oh, that's such a great question. And I think it comes back to, um, I, I, it's funny cause I just had a guest talk about this too. And she used it from the framework of internal family systems, which is, a, I don't know if that's something that you've studied at all, but you know, we talked about as far as relationship issues go, there are a few big red flags, right? Like if there's abuse, if there's physical or mental abuse, if there's addiction, 
Um, if there's anything like that going on in the, the marriage, that's a personal issue that that person needs to get attention for. And, and also, um, anxiety and depression, those mental illness issues creep up in the, in the relationship. And the way I see it with, with mental illnesses specifically is if you get to a place, if you're in a place where you're getting triggered really easily, you're getting emotionally flooded and you don't know how to regulate your emotions and come down to a more peaceful place where you can use the problem solving part of your brain instead of that triggered lizard brain, yeah. then there's, that's a, that's an issue. That's a personal mental health type issue. I can't get to a place where I can have a constructive conversation with somebody because my, my brain is trained to be really reactive. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we would have to work on figuring out to get to a place where you can be more regulated and have more of those. You know, we all have moments when we get flooded and triggered. And that's something I teach my clients too, is when you recognize yourself getting to that point, you take a break from the conversation until you can feel more regulated. But if that's if that's the the tone all the time and one of the people in the relationship is in that space a lot, then there I would say there's some mental health stuff going on that needs yeah. attention. Does lizard brain mean like a reactive brain? Yeah. Well, then it should be snake brain. Because snake brain. <laughs> me and Ebony just caught a snake and it's very reactive when we touch it with the stick. And well, I held it too. Ah, that is such a good you're such a good scientist to see those those things that grown-ups talk about and we don't even think about what it means in, in concrete terms. It's just things that we shared. But yeah, like that that snake probably feels like it's in danger all the time, doesn't it? Hmm. So yeah. it's reacting. And that's how we feel. I think that's how we feel often when we have mental health issues that aren't getting the support and attention that they need. We're always feeling like scared and reactive. Yeah. And it's very counterintuitive, just like you shared, but I love that example of when you're feeling under attack, when you're feeling like you're on edge constantly and you're not able to regulate that that's a sign that you're, you need to take a break, you need to relax, you need to learn how to regulate that. Otherwise, those emotions are going to control you instead of you being able to control them. Right, right. And it seems like I know this from my personal experience, I've, I've struggled with anxiety, and I wouldn't say it's severe anxiety. But but when I'm feeling anxious, and I feel like I need to control something or someone around me in order to feel less anxious, I've learned from trying really hard to do that is it never really makes me feel better. (laughs) Uh I never feel less anxious because nobody ever does it exactly the way I think they should (laughs) to make me feel less anxious. Mm. And that's when I have to say, okay, this is my anxiety speaking right now. It's not that my husband's not showing up for me the way that he should. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love, um, what we talked about when I was over on your podcast about trusting your people, because when you can trust your people, it plays right into that of being able to be like, okay, wait, <laughs> if I know that they have my best interest at heart, they're good human beings. They are taking care of me. They're doing the best that they can. 
and I'm being triggered by this. This is a me thing, not a relationship thing. <laughs> we can right. kind of self-diagnose. Yeah. Well, and there have been times in my marriage when there were things that were happening that needed to stop happening for our relationship to continue to be healthy and, and yeah. fulfilling and trustworthy. Um, and there have been times when I've had to share that, like this needs, this behavior needs to stop Yeah, we can't continue our relationship this way. Yeah, definitely. And that's, it's hard. So like, especially at the beginning to be able to recognize the difference between them both and to feel like, I remember for me, when I was trying to recognize the difference, I felt like such a terrible person. Anytime I set boundaries, because I felt like I was basically putting all of my mental illness problems and like saying it's your it's your fault this is all because of you and I'm like how do I tell the difference so um one last thing before you go what would you say to the people that are dealing with mental illness right now and they want to be able to have that skill set of recognition what's just one simple step that they can kind of do to see that recognition come into play. And we've, we've talked about a lot of things already, but what is a simple thing to help ground them so that they can have that clarity to start diagnosing? Yeah, I always talk about, because especially I because I talk about communication, I talk about when you're in the middle of a tough conversation mm-hmm. and you feel like this needs to be resolved right now. Like we get into that, you know, fight, fight or flight, yeah. Framework. You know, my husband is the one who has a really hard time, like letting me take a break if either one of us is getting triggered because he wants it to be right now. <laughs> but it's like if it ever feels like an emergency and you know, like the house is not on fire, <laughs> we don't have an intruder in our home. If it feels like an emergency and it's And when you think about it, it's like, okay, I'm not going to die or be physically harmed if this doesn't get resolved right now, Mm -hmm. you know, then you know that your reaction is a little bit more heightened than it needs, than is appropriate for the situation. And that's when you need to take a break and do whatever, you know, hopefully you have some skills or you need to start practicing some skills when you're not triggered, whether it's breathing or meditation, or listening to music, whatever it is that helps you ground yourself and practice those things in that moment. Yeah, perfect. Most most relationship problems are not emergencies that need to be resolved. (laughs) And I think we're afraid of feeling those emotions. And if we allow ourselves to, it actually can have a lot of the answers hidden right inside of them. Oh, for sure. That's such a good point too. And I think even sometimes when I teach this to my clients, I teach them a self-validation exercise. And part of it is just letting yourself feel the emotion. And it's very often when I'm doing this, I'm teaching this skill that they want to go straight to the fixing part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just saying it's okay for me to feel this right now is super powerful. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sharon, where is the best place for people to come and get in contact with you? Because I know right now people are listening and they're like, I want your help. I need you in my life. So where do they yeah. go? You? So, so my podcast is called Keep Talking Revolution. And that is also my website and my Instagram handle as well. So if you look me up 
on social media or you look for my podcast or online it's all keep talking revolution oh perfect okay well thank you so much for joining us thank you everybody for listening and thank you emery also as excellent co-host and we'll see you all next time Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to wandahoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.